Richardson. Stopped by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of That Sums It All Up. Hope you're all well and enjoying yourselves a wholesome autumn, even if the Premier League has just finished until Boxing Day, at least for Arsenal. Must apologise for our small period of radio silence over the last month or so. I've been doing all sorts, trying to find a job, doing lots of content creation, travelling around the country. Johnny's been busy at work and is now abroad, but he'll tell you more about that. Here we are, sort all things Arsenal, Premier League and World Cup. Johnny, how are we? You're in uh, Tel Aviv, is it? Yes, yeah, I am. I'm in Israel. I got here on Saturday, so I watched our last game, uh, well, our last competitive game until Boxing Day. Obviously, a few friendlies have been announced on Saturday. Um, I watched that at a bar on the beach in Tel Aviv, which was very nice, very okay. late. Sort of kicked off at nearly nearly 10 p.m. Israel time, so went through to nearly midnight, which is actually was actually really nice. And there's some good good atmosphere, a lot of Arsenal fans out here, uh, and a positive result, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But yeah, I'm out here for another week and a half, and then I'm back in London uh, end of the month. So not really looking forward to coming back because it was 28 degrees and sunny today. But wow, needs must. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, just back at my back at my place in the countryside, and quite the contrast to you. It has literally been absolutely pissing it down like nonstop for the last 24 hours. Like wind, crazy rain. Can barely sneak out to take the dog for a walk. It's that that grim. So it's very much kind of like you know, I'm all for a lovely wholesome autumn, but then it starts getting a bit wintry and then you're like, right, so this is why no one really likes it when it gets cold and dark and miserable. So yeah, look, I'm all right. Keep keeping on, uh, keeping on. And uh, yeah, I mean, sort of, I mean, let, just before we get into Arsenal, let's, let's uh, talk about what's going on right now. So obviously we're gearing up for the World Cup, which starts on Sunday. I mean, how are you feeling about it all? Just, I know that's a big question because a lot of people, I don't know, there's normally a lot of build-up to the World Cup and people get excited about it. I mean, personally, I have always found, I don't know about you, that I don't kind of get as sort of involved and emotionally invested in the World Cup as I do, for example, with Arsenal, which is quite a strange comparison because a lot of my friends and probably a lot of people that you know as well sort of treat England as, as sort of an equal to Arsenal. But how are you feeling about the World Cup, given that we're quite close to it starting? I am. I'm. Ex- I am excited. I think there's so much baggage and so much to unload about this World Cup, which I'm definitely not qualified to to comment on or talk about. But we will have our own opinions about Qatar and hosting it and all of that. On which I think probably best to sort of steer away from because we're limited on time. But from a Purely footballing perspective, I'm similar to you. I'm massively club over country. I'm not mm. that passionate of an England fan. I'm, I'll be supporting all of the Arsenal players at the World Cup, and I hope I hope they all do well in different ways. Because mm. actually, I'd like them all to probably be out of the tournament by the quarterfinal <laughs> stage. I'm not sure how realistic that is, but that's what I'd like: is them to all sort of do really well in the group stages and maybe round of sixteen, and then all their keepers make an error. 
you know, and they, they, they get knocked out. Hopefully not Ramsdale Sp- or Matt Turner. We don't want no, that. No, Spain winner or someone that we've got no players players in their squad. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's hard to be as excited about this World Cup as previous World Cups, just because there's such little time for the hype, for the build-up to get going. Whereas in previous years, you've sort of had the best part of you know three, four weeks post the end of the season come down and then fortnight of build-up and there's sort of warm-up games that are played between countries. Whereas it's sort of like, right, the squad was announced. Three days later, they're on the plane. They're in Qatar today and then they play in three days against Iran in the first group game, if we're, if we're talking about England. And... Um, and it just seems like it's just going very quickly. And also, annoyingly, as Arsenal fans, we're in a very, very sort of rich vein of form with five points clear at the top of the league. And mm. I, I didn't want I didn't want the season to be paused. Mm. Uh, you know, no, I and look, it's gonna I think it's gonna negatively benefit uh, negatively impact um loads of teams. I think City more than anyone, they've got the most amount of players who are predicted to start and go deep into the tournament. Annoyingly, Haaland, the exception, is not going to the World Cup. Likewise, Liverpool with Salah. But it's it's an unknown. We, we know, we've never been in this position before and we have no idea how, um, how it's going to play out. But I'm excited a bit, but I'm not like you. I'm not as excited as previous World Cups, and I'm definitely nowhere near as passionate mm. an England fan, let's say, as I am, as I am an Arsenal fan. Out of interest, what have you? Have you got any thoughts on the tournament? Who you think would do well? Who yeah. tipped anyone to win it? Yeah, I mean, like you, I've sort of just because we were there was such a intensely sort of compact schedule during October and, and November. There were so many games going on that. I, like you I hadn't really had much time to prepare myself for it but you know now I'm starting to think about things a bit more and you know it's hard to look past you know for example Argentina and Brazil I think there would be something wonderfully romantic about Lionel Messi doing quite well at this tournament you know he's in really good form for PSG this season so far and I'd sort of love for him to, to have a really strong tournament so I guess you know in a way even if I'm not as excited as I normally would be for the World Cup, the things that do excite me a lot are sort of seeing these teams that we don't normally see in a competitive um, tournament. You know, um, it's been a while since the World Cup. I mean, when was it? Was it 2018 it was? Um, back in Russia. And um, for the Euros, you know, there was no, obviously no Brazil, Argentina or anything like that. So it would be great to see some of these teams. So, yeah, Brazil, Argentina, I'm I'm tipping to to go quite far in this tournament, I reckon. And, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you, like me, sort of feel similarly, uh, not distant, distant would probably be quite a strong word, but not as close to the England national team as you do to your club. Um, because I think a lot of people find it quite easily to seamlessly sort of switch not switch allegiances, but sort of uh, transfer their love for their domestic club to their international club. But for me, it's, it's slightly different. Maybe it's just because, I don't know, there's not been loads of Arsenal players over the years playing. But we do have, I think it's three in the squad this year. We've got uh, Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White made it in the end, even though, I mean, there shouldn't have been a doubt, but there was. And Bakaya Saka, of course. Um 
again, like you, I'm just in, I'm excited to see all the Arsenal players, hoping that they don't get injured, hope they can have a really mm. strong tournament. It'll be interesting seeing a few of them matching up against each other. I think Switzerland will be playing Ghana, I think. Mm. Um, so that would be interesting to see Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey matching up against each other. But um, yeah, look, it starts on Sunday. So I'm sure once the football starts, as you say, the excitement will start brewing and, uh, you know, hopefully there can be a sort of magic that is uh, is created from the tournament and not to sort of sidetrack away from all the the very real, very serious uh, issues at play, you know, with the mm. tournament being hosted in Qatar. But again, maybe that's a conversation for another day. We're not ignoring mm. it, just just referencing it and, and moving on. Um, I mean... This is slightly related to the World Cup. I don't know if you've seen a few of the videos of the Portugal squad linking up, but obviously Cristiano Ronaldo's decided to uh, throw his toys out the pram by um, his doing his big interview with Piers Morgan, who I obviously yes. he's an Arsenal fan. I cannot stand him. Um, but he's done that interview. I haven't watched it yet. I've seen little snippets, but I, I do probably... Well, I don't even know if I want to watch the whole thing, but I may do. Um so he's linked up with uh, the Portuguese squad and some of them don't look too happy with him. Um, what's just a quick word on sort of the, all of the Ronaldo stuff, whether it's just boring, you don't care or whether, I mean, yeah, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I guess I'm more in the in the I don't care camp, to be completely honest. I just think he's he's one of the greatest footballers to ever play the game. He's clearly struggling to come to terms with his decline, as happens to all elite sportsmen when they get to their late 30s. I mean, he's nearly 40. But um, but at the same time, he's also had a really tough year personally with the death of a child and another child being really unwell. So there's, I, I would sort of be hesitant to rule that out as a factor that's contributing to all of this. And, and he probably has earned the right in to an extent to sort of be like, look, I am Cristiano Ronaldo and I think I should be playing more or have more of an impact, but I'm not that fast. I've not watched the full interview like you. I've seen snippets. I'm probably unlikely to watch the full interview. I saw a few clips of him and Bruno Fernandes like having an awkward handshake, (laughs) which I thought was uh, my best Portuguese impression. Very good. Which I thought was sort of looked quite awkward and then apparently it was released by a Portuguese press and it was more like an in-joke between them and then there was a video I think of him and Diogo Dallo training next to each other and I think Diallo obviously being about 15 years younger than Ronaldo grew up as one of those real Portuguese Ronaldo fans uh, and has been a bit of a fanboy of his at United and actually didn't look that enamoured to be uh, training next to him or, or warming up next and whatever it was. So you, there's only so much you can read into this stuff because it's all out of context. But do I think he has much of a future at United? Not No, to be honest. I, I'll be very surprised if, if he's there in the matchday squads between sort of the World Cup ending in the January window. And then I just think he'll be, whether they terminate his contract or he buys himself out of the contract at a reduced rate or something and... I can't see him playing for United again, and and so be it. Yeah, and I think that always scores against us, so be happy to see him out of the league. Yeah, and you can look, you can. It's everyone will have their varying degrees of opinions towards what he's done and how he's gone about it. 
but you know there's a clear incense uh intention here and that's to sort of i think sever ties with the club they can't continue with him there and so he's sort of i think guaranteed that that can't continue i mean it's a bit of a shame from a sort of romantic footballing viewpoint the fact that it's kind of ended like this and a lot of people may not remember him for the sort of good things and and you know the fact that he's you know has been the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world for a long time um so it's a bit of a sticky situation but i guess as arsenal fans we look on and we say well we've actually been there maybe not to the same extent but Mm. we've had big money players who sort of are coming to the end or not contributing enough and then we have to push them out or whatever the scandal you know torn dressing room trying to rebuild the culture post Arsene Wenger and look I'm just glad it's not us and we've got through that and I think Manchester United will probably be glancing glancing over towards us with envious eyes um enough of Ronaldo I mean boring who really cares not 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 much um let's turn our attention back and, and look at the Wolves game just a bit more um, because it's strange. It only happened on Saturday. It feels like an age ago that I watched that game. Um, I think just because the Premier League has obviously paused. And so I just feel like there's been that <laughs> that that serious mm. line drawn in the sand where I, it just feels like it was ages ago. Um, so we were the late game, as you said, 7.45 kickoff earlier in the day. City had hosted Brentford. And I think, you know, when <laughs> when you sort of looked over the last few weeks at City's fixtures before the World Cup, you saw Fulham at home and Brentford at home. And you thought, wow, those are going to be like four or five nils. They just about managed to beat Fulham with a late penalty, which in my opinion, don't think should have been a penalty. Very soft. I mean, if we were given that penalty, maybe we'd feel like, oh, well, there's contact. But I mean, De Bruyne is clearly looking for it. Anyway, they scrape past Fulham and then um, they lose to Brentford. Um, they lose to Brentford 2-1, it was. And, you know, it was a last-minute winner from Ivan Tony, who did not make the England squad. Uh, there's been allegations, I mean, lots coming out now about his betting uh, yeah. <laughs> betting uh, activities. But that, again, that's a story for another day. Um, so we knew going into the evening game that a win would take us five points clear of Manchester City, having played the same amount of games. And we'd stay top over Christmas and then be five points clear when we came, when uh, when football resumed on Boxing Day. Bit of pressure. First half was was not that great. I think it was it was a tough game. I think Wolves set up very clearly to sit back, um, sort of absorb the pressure and hit us on the counter attack with Gonzalo Guedes and uh, Adama Traore, and um, they sort of did that. You know, not devastatingly so but it was looking a bit more dangerous as the as the half progressed and we lacked a bit of sharpness in our final third I mean how did you sort of feel during the first half and sort of before the game were you nervous um did you think that the pressure might get to the players how yeah what were your thoughts and then we'll get on to the good stuff in the second half yeah I thought I mean pre-game I just was sort of taking it all in, really, that City had lost and basking in the the fact that regardless of what happened at Molyneux on Saturday night, we were top no matter what going into this break, which psychologically is so important for us. Although I wonder, look, fortunately it didn't happen, but I wonder how much psychological damage it would have done had we lost mm. uh, and drawn and not capitalised on the chance to extend our lead to five points and it remained at two. But obviously that didn't happen, so we don't really need to hypothesise about that. 
fortunately, um, the teams came out pretty much as we expected. That's our that's our strongest lineup. The team that played um, against Chelsea, the team that played against Wolves, and the first half, yeah, it was slow. I you know obviously Xhaka was the main talking point. I think Xhaka mm. has been one of the standout players for us this season. He plays such a pivotal role in possession, out of possession, breaking lines, building up play when we're on the ball, combining in triangles with Zinchenko or whoever's playing as that, that left back inverted and then Martinelli making runs from deep to pull sort of a centre-back and a full-back from your position out of out of shape and you know within three minutes he was sort of healing healing over looking like he was going to throw up on the he side looked very of the pitch. very pale didn't he <laughs> very pale Poor guy. even for us even for um a swiss, a swiss yeah, yeah, yeah. Pale. and um and then about 10 minutes after that 15 minutes after that, he came off and i think that disrupted our system it disrupted our flow <laughs> there's been a lot of talk were you surprised that Vieira came on that Lukonga wasn't in the squad and then he I don't know if he warmed up or not but my opinion is I wasn't he's the obvious replacement if you want to keep the shape if you want to have someone who can play as an advanced eight it has to be Vieira out of our subs and I thought Vieira took a bit of time to come into the game and he had a much better second half than first half obviously um, sort of peaked with a very nice assist for our first goal. But the first half was slow. We, I don't think we looked shaky. I thought we looked in control at all times. I know they had chances. I think those chances came from our errors, basically, mm. like Saliba back-passing it to... Under instruction from Mikel yeah. Arteta, apparently. <laughs> that's, well, that's just how dominant we've been this season, is we've got to give the opposition clear one-on-ones. Yeah, exactly. And, and even then, we've conceded, outside of Old Trafford, we've conceded once away from home all season, that's uh, which is pretty impressive. But yeah, it was it was it was just a very turgid first half. There wasn't many clear cut chances. I thought, obviously, he was offside. He was quite clearly offside, but he took the goal, the offside finish, quite mm. nicely. Gabriel Jesus. It would have been nice for him to score in the World Cup, but he plays so well every game. He contributes so much. And I know we keep saying it. It sounds like we're compensating because he's on a goal drought, but we're not. And if you watch Arsenal games, like you and I watch them, you'll see how much he adds to our team's performances week in, week out, regardless of he, if he's getting on the score sheet. You know, he got three assists against Nottingham Forest. Not many number nines getting a hat-trick of assists mm. in, um, in a Premier League game. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, it just lacked that cutting edge. I thought Wolves were better than I was expecting. They're obviously bottom of the league, or, but they've got a new manager coming in, Lopetegui, who um, was at the stadium. Did you, did you see him walk around the pitch before the game? It made me laugh. He was sort of walking around. Apparently, he walked towards the Arsenal fans and gave his chest a bit of a bump, and it just kind of <laughs> looked like, what, what are you doing? Like, you don't really know what you're doing here. Um, no. But yeah, I, I agree with you. They, they were sort of. I mean, they weren't great, but they looked quite dangerous. And like you say, we sort of lacked our our sharpness. And yeah, we did not just Vieira, but I think everyone had to adapt to the to the sort of granite Xhaka shaped hole in the first half. Mm. And you know, um, Fabio Vieira sort of slipping around, and you know, didn't look very comfortable. And obviously, Saliba gave that ball away. But you know, we 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 did sort of look as if, well, we just need to take it up a level, and, w- and we'll win this game. And that's what happened in the second exactly. half. Um, we came out, we looked a bit better. Um, 
and I, you know, I was thinking at half time. I thought to myself, and I, I sent a message to my Arsenal group chat, and maybe to you, I can't remember, saying, you know, this is a really tough, but also a really sort of valuable test for Arsenal away from home. You know, it's a really important game to sort of to to keep the distance between us and Manchester City. The stakes are high, but also, you know, this is what teams are going to do as we get a bit better. They're going to sit back. And it's on us to sort of be able to go away from home when the momentum's not necessarily with you and sort of break a team down, be patient and and sort of have that attacking attacking incision. And, you know, I was wondering, well, are we going to do it? Do we have the legs? Are we sort of going to, are we a bit tired? Are, are Wolves going to sort of prevail? And I, I thought to myself, you know, this is a really good test. And to then get that first goal and then the second sort of quite soon after was so gratifying because both goals I thought were really well worked in their in in their own ways. And, you know, it just sort of proved to to me and to I guess to the players, I think they believe in themselves massively in their abilities, but they can sort of endure tough periods in games and then sort of the quality shines through. So I mean the first goal, if we kind of look back, um it feels ages ago, it was Gabriel Jesus, wasn't it, picking the ball up sort of in that left half space, drifting in from the left-hand side. And he plays a lovely reverse ball through to, to Fabio Vieira, who looks as if he maybe has messed his touch up because mm. he was sort of through on goal. He takes it a bit more towards the byline and then plays a lovely little dinked chip um, across the goal line. And, uh, you know, Saka and Erdegaard are there queuing up and Erdegaard sort of crashes it in from close range. Really well worked goal. Really happy for Fabio Vieira as well. You can see how much that meant to him. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's another thing to sort of consider the fact that he didn't have a preseason with us. He was injured. How much he could benefit from this warm weather training camp in Dubai. I think there's been some quotes from Arteta sort of saying, oh, just wait until he gets going. Um, you know, you're really going to enjoy him after the preseason time that we have with him. Um, so yeah, did you did you have anything to add on that on that first goal, Fabio Vieira? I mean, Erdegaard scoring just sort of the way we sort of broke the deadlock. Yeah, no, I think you sort of broken it down exactly how it happened. I think the the touch there was some sort of debate. Was it a bad touch? I, I've watched the goal back a few times. I think he one hundred percent means to take that touch. And actually, if you watch Jose Sar his movements the Wolves keeper you see he sort of comes off he shuffles off his line and then he takes Fabio Vieira takes that sort of slightly exaggerated touch and Jose Sar then jumps out that bit further sort of beyond the post or level with the post which leaves the entire goal gaping and I just think if he doesn't take that touch maybe it's harder to play the ball across the six yard box and Sar can maybe dive sort of outwards to to parry it away easier but by doing so, yeah, he opens up the entire six-yard box is empty. And if Erdegaard misses it, I think Saka was literally a millimetre behind him. So he would well, have Ram finished anyway. Ramsdale thought it was Saka's goal, apparently, yes, in the, yes. the post-game. <laughs> I would have loved it to have been Saka's goal for, for fantasy football reasons, but we won't go there. <laughs> um, and... Um, and yeah, it was it was a really important. It was good that we scored. I think it was like the fifty fourth, fifty fifth minute. So I always think if it's nil nil at half time, if you can score within fifteen minutes of the first half, it just changes the whole sort of atmosphere within the team. You can relax a bit more. You're one up. There's half an hour or so to go. You can start to just take control of the second half. 
rather than if it if it gets too late, you've got to then start to go a bit gung ho and maybe make moves or throw players forward that relinquish some of that control, leave you susceptible to being countered um sort of more aggressively and, and Wolves are a very good counter attacking team. So going one nil up was, was really positive and like I don't really think they had another clear chance in that second half. Obviously there was that one where Ramsdale clashed with was it Adama Traore? I can't remember who he clashed. Oh yeah, with. yeah, it was Adama Traore. But that I that was about as close as they got to to scoring, as far as I can remember, in the second half. And yeah. um, and, and it was, yeah, and we scored that the second goal about twenty minutes later, which I'm sure we'll get on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's get on to it. I mean, I thought for, for some reason it it was sort of a, a bit sooner than that. Um, but there I was thinking, you yeah, know, it's one 0 Is it going to be one of those tough sort of games again where we're really nervous? closing it out but we kept going and again it sort of came the second goal came from down the left hand side uh, one of the Wolves players didn't clear it properly Martinelli manages to get in um, plays it across his in plays a reverse ball back to Zinchenko quite similar to where F- Vieira got in and then he sort of drilled it across a couple of ricochets Martinelli I think has a shot blocked and then um, mm. Erdegaard really good finish actually really good finish. really sort of powerful precise and um yeah clinical which is not necessarily something you consider of Erdegaard mm-hmm. but it was a proper captain's performance in the end I thought he was really good throughout the game actually he stepped up big time in Jacka's absence I think he was coming deep getting the ball um you know pressing really well obviously got the two goals as well he's now our top scorer in the league six so he's adding mm-hmm. goals to his game which is brilliant um, that's what you want from your sort of um, central attacking midfielder and captain and um, yeah it's sort of made for a very comfortable uh, viewing for the end of the to the end of the game I mean Wolves didn't offer anything else we knew that we were going to end up five points clear I thought Gabriel along with Erdegaard was a really good performer on the day I think he made some really good interceptions clearances yeah. in a day that maybe where Saliba sort of struggled a bit more and was a bit more shaky at times. You know, Gabriel was was sort of always there and he's so reliable, apart from when he makes similar mistakes. But they complement each other quite well. If, if Saliba's having a bit of a, a shaky time, then Gabriel stands strong and yeah. vice versa. They, 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 they rarely both have off days on the same game. Exactly. And so Outward, I think... That continues. Yeah, and this was a Gabriel day. So, look, as I said, it was a tough test. We prevailed. Uh, five points clear. The pressure was on, like it was against Chelsea. Came through it. That means that you know we, as things stand, with five points clear of City. We've won twelve of our fourteen Premier League games. Lost one against United. Drawn to Southampton. Scored thirty three. Um, so we're just below what three goals a game, nearly. If we score a couple more, conceded eleven. Goal distance was 22, which is looking very healthy. I mean, last season at periods, we were sort of on zero for a long time and yeah. in the last five seasons. So, you know, 37 points. That leaves us seven points clear of United, um, Newcastle United in third, who are definitely a little team to worry about, but we'll maybe discuss that another time. Eight clear of Spurs with a game in hand, 11 clear of United, 15 ahead of Liverpool and 16 ahead of Chelsea. I mean, it's crazy to, to crazy. look at the distance that we put between us and our sort of big six rivals plus Newcastle, mm. who I think now are sort of <laughs> scarily established within that big yep. seven. Um, but 
yeah, I think the my main takeaway from that game was teams are going to do that a lot more. Um, they do it when they come to the Emirates and we sort of normally find a way to prevail. But I think away from home, it's even harder. They sort of teams, I guess, show you the respect of sitting deep and and sort of allowing you to have the ball, but wanting to sucker punch you. And I think we managed that really well. And um, long may that continue. And it was a good sort of... Uh, Good example of how things maybe will continue in the second half, I guess, second half of the season post-World Cup. Um, let's move the conversation on then um, and just have a little roundup um, briefly of the sort of the last period of of Arsenal before we look ahead to January. Um, you know, October and November, you know, there were nine games in October you know, starting with, I think it was Liverpool, uh, Spurs and Liverpool, which we won, obviously. And then there were just, you know, games every three days. The performances definitely dropped off a bit, but I think actually we came through with a really impressive set of results. Um, you know, we managed to beat Leeds. We drew to Southampton okay, and we lost to PSV away, but we managed to beat, I mean, we thumped Forest, beat Chelsea, won at Wolves. You know, there were Euro Europa League wins in there as well, managed to secure top spot. So, I mean... Is there any other way to look at this first half of the season other than being incredibly satisfied and and sort of um, you know proud of what we've achieved so far? I, I don't think so. I think it's been an overwhelming success. Mm. No one, maybe the players in Arteta, but no no one in the fan base would have predicted. I mean, this has literally been the best start the club has ever had. I mean, you can talk about the Invincibles. You can talk about the ninety eight double. 1998 double winning team, the 2002 double winning team, the 2007-2008 team that probably should have won the league, the 1991 double winning team or the 89 winning team or to go back to the 30s and the team under um, with Cliff Baston and Alex James under Herbert Chapman that won four or five league titles in six years. None of them. None of them started a league season better than we've started this season. It's unprecedented. Mm. So, they, you know, yes, we're not halfway through. We're breaking for the World Cup. We've only played 14 games where the, you know, it should really be closer to 17, 18 at this stage of a season. All things considered, all of that taken into account, you know, what, what more is there to say? Oh, look, we lost against United. I, we dominated. It's the best I've seen us play at Old Trafford in as long as I can remember in terms of control, in terms mm. of possession, in terms of dictating the tempo. We got caught by a good team who I think will probably finish definitely in the top six this season, maybe in the top four um, by team. And they've got very good counter-attacking players. We drew at Southampton in a month that was the third most populated fix for fixtures um, that the club has ever been through. Only two months in Arsenal's history have seen them play more fixtures than we did in October mm. 2022. So we, we drew one game away from home at a stadium that we don't have a great record in where we lost last season. So there's a positive to be taken there anyway. I just think there's 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 nothing I can say negative about the start we've made at all. I think the, the way it's bonded, the fans and the players, you know, you and I have been to a few games this season. I've been to every league home game, I think, this season, bar bar one that I was away for, which was Fulham. 
and um and the atmosphere is nothing like i've experienced before it's sensational <laughs> the players are amazing the football we're playing at times is absolutely breathtaking and like i'm just enjoying every second of it every as i'm sure you are every bit of content every article that comes out every podcast just looking at the table on my phone <laughs> while we're while we're here we we've got to enjoy it because you know you and i we're we slightly too young to remember that sort of 98 to 2006 era like i i went to like one or two invincible games as a four year old five year old mm, yeah I went to Paris for the Champions League final, but don't really remember it. But this is the best that I can ever remember us playing. And hopefully it's not just a blip and hopefully it's not a false dawn and we we sort of continue. But only time will tell. It's, it's a shame that of all seasons, it's this season with the World Cup in the middle and every team and every squad is going to react differently to it. And as we've said, we don't know what that's going to be like, but for me, just going off the back of these first 14 league games, I've just, I'm absolutely loving it and just enjoying it for what it's worth. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Arsenal fans would agree with that. I think, you know, the only kind of negative thing is that a lot of people are quite hesitant to sort of say, oh, well, Arsenal are in a title challenge just because of Man City and what they do and who they are. And, and in a way, that's quite a sad reality because... Like why we are we're top of the league with five points clear, you know we've played you know over a, f- a third of the season and we're doing really well beating some big teams. So why why wouldn't we be well because Man City are sort of relentless and brilliant and you know have Erling Haaland and and stuff like that. So I guess it's it's a strange one for Arsenal fans as well because we haven't been used to sort of being in a title challenge recently. I mean we were top at Christmas I think in the 2013-14 season. And then, you know, it sort of went very quickly downhill with injuries and big losses and loss of form. And look, that could happen to any team. But for me personally, you know, I'm enjoying everything about this season, but, you know, I'm not in my, I'm I'm not, I'm not ready or I I don't know how quite to sort of uh, coordinate my brain to say, Mm. oh, we're in a title race. Like I'm excited to win the league just because, I mean, in our lifetimes, as you say, the last time we won the league was 2004. We don't really remember it. I mean, I was at the Invincibles celebration parade with my hair and a Mohican dyed red in tribute to Freddie Lundberg. But I've, you know, I've got a picture. I don't remember it. So I'm not, I, I'm not uh, sort of configured to to think about title races. But you know, this is, as you say, one of the best things. I mean, obviously there was 2007, 2008, but even then, you know, you kind of think, oh well, it, it sort of went downhill very quickly, and and mm-hmm. you'd you'd like to think with this Arsenal team that maybe that wouldn't happen. Um, because we are playing so well. I mean, the metrics, the defensive, the attacking uh, expected goals for and against, they're all brilliant. You know, we're second only really to, to Manchester City and and very close to them in, in a lot of aspects. So, I mean, that that transitions us quite, quite nicely to looking ahead before we finish up for today. I mean, the January market, we touched upon it the last time we spoke, I think is a big opportunity for Arsenal. We're, we're clearly a few bodies light, um, some quality depth in key positions, People think that this window, as is normally the case after a World Cup, will be more like a summer window in terms of a lot of activity, a lot of moves. Um, you know, the Brazilian market, for example, South American markets are more open for business. Mm. Players may want to move. I mean, look, we're in, we're in a brilliant position where we can say, look, 
come and help us win the Premier League. Um, we're definitely going to qualify for the Champions League, hopefully. Um, so, you know, this is a big opportunity, market opportunity for us to maybe sort of seize it um, as opposed to maybe letting it sort of slip away a bit like we did last January. There were reasons for that, of course. But how do you view January um, in terms of, um, yeah, what we should be doing to strengthen the squad, if at all? Well, no, I think we should be strengthening. And I think, you know, Arteta's always said he hates to waste a window. And this squad, despite what I just said about it being our best league start ever to a season, is definitely not our best squad we've ever had. And there's clear room for improvement. There's clear areas where we need to add quality depth, whether, you know, central midfield, wide forwards, etc., etc. And I think we will try and strengthen like you said, I think this is a golden opportunity that we may not have actually expected to be in three or four months ago, where we can go to, let's say, Mudrik at Shakhtar Donetsk or Danilo at Palmeiras and just say, look, don't join in six months, join now. Mm. Help get You will get a Premier League winner's medal, you know, if this continues. Title challenge or no, I don't know when a title challenge officially starts in a season? Is it when there's 10 games to go? Is it when the run-in starts? Is it after Christmas? Is it after the January window? It's, it's very ambiguous <laughs> as to when it starts. right? But what I will say is, if we continue the form that we're on throughout a 38-game season, we will win the league. It's as black mm. and white as that. I, I don't necessarily think that will happen, but and past performance isn't you know, an indicator of future success and all of that. But if we just replicated the points per games that, the, that we've been hitting for the first 14 games for the next 24 games, we won't be caught. We will win the league. And mm. it's as simple as that. It's literally as simple as that. So we, yeah, <laughs> we, we are in a title challenge to an extent. If you, yeah. if, if a challenge starts in mid November, but I'm hesitant to sort of say that it does. But yeah, we need to strengthen in in January, and and we need to be ambitious, and I think we will be, and we need to have our fingers crossed and our toes crossed and everything else crossed as well that our key players come through the the World Cup unscathed. Yeah, and look, there are so many unknowns for every club post World Cup, and you know we're one of them, and so you've just got to hope that one our players come back fit and healthy, and and sort of in the same mindset and form that they showed in the first half of the season two that the Dubai training camp that we're doing is great for the players who are, have been injured Smith Rowe, you know, for Fabio Vieira to settle in a bit more. And then we come back and we've got West Ham at home in the league, Brighton away. And then January, I had a look, it's Newcastle home, Spurs away, United home, which is quite crazy to think about in January. Um, so good thing. I think we're out of the, uh, the Carabao cup anyway. I think we'll leave it there for today, Johnny. It's been a pleasure catching up. Speak to you soon. And um, we'll be back soon, perhaps for a little special World Cup edition. What do you think, Johnny? Definitely. Excellent. More analysis, more guests, and more football to come. You can find Johnny on Twitter at jbornrosen, Football Transfer News on Facebook, and Football Transfer News on Official at Instagram. Quick reminder that you can find every episode of That Sums It All Up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at That Sums It All Up and on Instagram at That Sums It All Up Pod. Thanks everyone for listening. Take care and we'll be back soon. 